There we go. The John Curley, Sherry Ellicott Show, and love is in the air with Sherry and... Yeah. We can make it if we try. Oh, come on, Katie. Get out of here. She got a tube top on. Come on, Katie. Come on. Just look at it. I see it. Sorry, Sherry. It's a good look for her. Diving in the day. I love when you two fight over me. <laughs> Is that what we're doing? We're fighting over you? <laughs> Isn't that right, Teeny? Come on now. I huh? do not right. know. You know. Oh, play coy now. All right. Let's see. The uh, So Tacoma School wants to move away from the controversial name um, and rename the school. This has been happening all across the United States. And this uh, elementary school wants to dump their dump their name. Is it? Who's, was it... Um, well, they, they haven't McIver. chosen another name yet, McIver. Yeah. They haven't chosen another name, but they want to get rid of this guy. Maybe that's why. Um, maybe that's why their their um, their students, by the way, looked it up. So in um, math proficiency, ten percent um, are proficient in math. Um, and let's see, when it comes to reading, uh, thirty-five to thirty-nine are proficient in reading. This is the fourth grade level. So maybe. The racist name is one of the reasons the kids are doing so poorly in math and reading at that school. So they want to get rid of the name. Who's the guy that they decided to get rid of? It's McCarver Elementary School. And <gasps> oh, my God. Does. Are we allowed to say that on the air? Yeah, I don't know. Well, let's hear about him. Okay. According right. to a Facebook post, Historic Tacoma has outlined its issues about McCarver. Kentucky-born McCarver was an unabashed racist whose uh-huh. hatred of people of color came from his upbringing in the South. It's important to note that McCarver was not just a supporter of those legislative efforts. He was the leader of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have not determined what the new name will be. I guess the principal will take the lead on trying to find a new name. Uh, two other Tacoma schools were recently renamed because of racist concerns. Jason Lee Middle School was renamed Hilltop Heritage Middle School. And Woodrow mm-hmm. Wilson High School was renamed Dr. Dolores Silas High School. And that happened in 2021. I got rid of Woodrow Wilson, huh? Yes. Wow. Yeah, the uh, the idea that you're naming the school after somebody, you're by the way, you're also judging that individual by today's standards. Is that really fair for anybody, right? I know they got rid of Abraham Lincoln School. We got rid of George Washington School. They want to get rid of Thomas Jefferson. So they're judging the behavior of the individual from 200 and some years ago by the today's standards of how we treat one another. Hmm. Okay. So I looked up to see how many schools are named after the horrible individual by the name of Cesar Chavez. Cesar Chavez was trying to unionize uh, farm workers, and he knew that when Mexicans were coming in for, across the border to break up the uh, grape strike and others, he has sent his brother and his cousin down there to beat the hell out of them and also referred to them often as wetbacks uh, and immigrants. He didn't like the fact that they could come in and break his strike. So he first they would first go down there and tell people not to come, and then they would beat him up. And I looked up how many na- how many schools are named after Cesar Chavez, and I stopped counting after about 50. So by today's standards, I would assume Cesar Chavez, who caused people coming in from Mexico wetbacks, that guy probably shouldn't have his name on any of those schools or any institution. But they don't take his name out. And those schools were named after Cesar Chavez, 
who was, um, I don't want to call him a racist, but just probably a, a fairly nasty individual um, who didn't have a whole lot of love for anybody coming in from Mexico trying to have a better life. But yet we named schools after Cesar Chavez. So they get rid of this one. It's going to cost anywhere from between to change a high school is about 250,000 bucks. To change the name of an elementary school could be anywhere between thirty thousand up to seventy-five thousand dollars. So they'll take the take the name down off of that school and put another name up. And then I wonder, in maybe ten years from now, do you think the grades will go up? Unlikely. Yep. I don't. But it makes makes people feel good. I mean, to take down George Washington, Thomas Jefferson. Well, it's. I think in those particular cases. It is wrong because when you consider the amount of good that those presidents did, um, it, it, it balances things in a different way. It does mm-hmm. not excuse or forgive all of the ills and all of the terrible things that went on with respect to slavery, but there were certainly other things to, to take into consideration. However, when e- even by anybody's standards in any era, I think, when it comes to slavery – you have to understand that that would never be something that someone would think would be honorable or would be a good thing. So what do you say to people that say, well, slavery is so offensive and so wrong that we shouldn't honor anybody that practiced that, even no matter no matter how long ago it was and no matter how acceptable it was at one point? That it should never be condoned, and by having a name on a building that represents someone that owned slaves. Okay, then, 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 then it should be if you want to. If you say it's so horrible and so toxic to anybody, then you're going to have to go ahead and change a whole bunch of names of a whole bunch of places. One of the guys that made so much money, by the way, slavery did not make America rich. It made a few people rich, like Mr. Yale. So change the name of Yale because that guy did quite well because of slavery. So dump that name. Help a whole bunch clean up and tear down statues and get rid of a whole bunch of stuff. You leave the name of a school up and then you put a plaque next to it explaining, here's the name, here's the person, here's what he did, you know, here's what he represented. Let's take the name down. Again, go ahead. If it's symbolism and it, you think somehow this is having an effect upon how the kids feel about the school, I'm sure most of them have no idea who the, who the school is named after, no historical reference as to who this person is. It doesn't affect them on a regular basis, but what you're doing in a slight way, in a very small way, you're continuing the oppressive lie that um, you are still a victim of something that happened more than 200 and some years ago. That's all. You're just reinforcing the idea that slavery is still with us, the system is still there, you're still being held back for it, so we're going to get rid of the name of Washington, Jefferson, MacGyver, whoever else is out there. So um, anyway, that's go ahead. It's, just, it's more uh, virtue signaling from the people that feel as if this is going to have a better effect upon uh, how the kids do. So we'll watch for it. We'll see. See how well their grades go up after uh, 10 years when they change the name of the school. Well, they will have to change a lot of other things as well to make that go on. But there's a guy uh, in, in here in Virginia who mm-hmm. is extremely upset about the name change, and his name is Robert Smith. Um, his grandfather is T.C. Williams. And 
I thought he was the same T.C. Williams uh, that was the famous high school here in Alexandria. It's a totally different T.C. Williams. But this particular T.C. Williams founded the School of Law. Um, he's the great-grandfather. Uh, I'm sorry, he's the great-grandson of this guy. And he said that because they want to change the name, because T.C. Mm-hmm. Williams was a slave owner, uh, he has caved to woke activists. And he said, you know, you could have kept the name. You could have kept T.C. Williams and, and attributed it to me. My name is T.C. Williams Jr. Smith. You could have uh-huh. just renamed it my name. So he says that the family has made about three point six. billion in contributions. And if you want to change the name, then give our money back. Ooh. Wow. And? Well, they're not, they're not having it, but (laughs) he's saying, he's saying we made, you would not have this university. You would not have this law school had it not been for us. So the university hasn't really responded yet. Um, it says that, you know, this, the thing that they always say, which is we know people will be upset about this. We recognize that some may be disappointed or disagree with this decision. Uh, we also recognize the role that the Williams family has played here and respect the full and complete history of the institution. Uh, I don't know that there is a lawsuit in the in the making or if he even has any grounds for it. But he's saying this is this is something that I, I, I want my money back. Give me my money yeah. back. Well, they're not going to do it. But that's TC. Is that um, that's that school that's really well known for STEM stuff. Right. Those are the ones that is that the, the um, TC. Um, has, don't they have like an advanced uh, placement program there? And they let kids, used to let kids in by test and now they're trying to diversify the student body. Is that the same school? No, that's TC Williams High School. And so Ah. TC Williams High School was a completely different guy. It was named for a different guy. And that particular guy wasn't a slave owner. He was a, a, a more modern day person, but he, was uh, a racist and he had a lot of very racist beliefs and so they renamed the school the high school this other school tc williams is named after the man that actually did have slaves by the way james madison in virginia and also georgetown university they both have changed many many buildings uh because of the fact that people have been upset about the uh the the owners or the slave owners that were named those buildings were named after Mm-hmm. Got it. I, I always have a problem when you tear down a statue of somebody. The statue goes up. I get it. But you're better off, rather than tearing it down and try to eliminate the history, you're better off putting a plaque next to it and explaining the significance of why this guy has, why he's on horseback, who he was, what he represented in history, what, what, why the reason that they have the statue up. And then you can put a little kind of, you know, pro and con explaining the controversy as opposed to just pulling down statues of individuals. You're better off educating people to the past and what it was and what it represents as opposed to trying to just whitewash it and then tear it down um i also saw the number of um people ever arrested for tearing down like a george washington statue or jefferson statue or christopher columbus statue they don't go after those guys because that's um that's that kind of speech is protected i i saw that um the uh now that the republicans are in charge they're bringing a whole bunch of people before them and uh i guess they put the word grilling in front of it so here's a the head of nih is in some on trouble. october 8th of 2020 you were cc'd on an email from the then head of nih dr francis collins uh to dr anthony fauci now i'm going to refresh your memory on the contents of this email it says hi tony and cliff 
This proposal, citing the Great Barrington uh, Declaration. The reason for this um, review and this chance for this is Representative Cat. Uh, uh, Kamak to ask these questions. They're trying to figure out how much the government was involved in stopping free expression of ideas and how much pressure the federal government put on various social media um, uh, platforms. From the three fringe epidemiologists who met with the secretary seem to be getting a lot of attention and even a co-signature from Nobel Prize winner Mike Levitt at Stanford. There needs to be a quick and devastating published takedown of its premises. I don't see anything like that online yet. Is it underway? Signed, Francis. Again, you were CC'd on this email. Yes or no, Dr. Tabak, did you communicate with Dr. Collins with you about these doctors or the Great Barrington Declaration other than when emailing Dr. Fauci? I have no recollection of speaking to him about them. By the way, the lawyers always tell you to have no recollection. I don't remember. I don't recollection. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, I don't recall. Yes or no. Are you aware of other instances where either Dr. Collins or Dr. Fauci plan to have the media publish articles to discredit other scientists or doctors during the COVID-19 pandemic? I'm not aware of any such instance. Of course. Now, as Deputy Ethics Counselor at NIH, aren't there ethical concerns about using the U.S. government to silence scientific speech, particularly peer-reviewed speech? When the stakes are so high, right, as they were during the height of COVID-19, shutting down economies, keeping kids in schools, increased rates of mental illness, addiction, suicide, etc. And now, of course, we know that the collusion between Twitter and the Biden administration has come to light. Does that not concern you? I'm unaware of any collusion. Um, I know there's ongoing. Oh, you know what? Uh, that's that's good. So I'm I glad. Can't. I'm going so to. I'm going to enlighten you then. So. <laughs> By the way, whenever you say that, they have all of these gigantic posters they're going to put up. It's going to be all of your just emails. a few months after that email. This email that you were cc'd on between Dr. Francis Collins and Dr. Fauci. You have records of this, and I'm sure there are others. Just a few months after that. Twitter was directed by the Biden administration to deplatform multiple scientific accounts, doctors, Nobel Prize winners. They went so far as on March 14th, 2021, in internal communications between top Twitter executives and the Biden administration to say, we are very angry. The Biden administration needs a push to deplatform these multiple accounts. These deplatforming of accounts were, of course, related to the great Barring, uh, Barrington Declaration. I have to tell you something. This is for my own edification and my own joy to see these people that were involved in stopping you, the American people, from hearing from other scientists that were speaking outside the boundaries of the regime. The Great Barrington Declaration, Jay Bhattacharya and others from Oxford and Harvard um, and Stanford that weren't allowed to express ideas because those ideas went against what the propaganda from the administration were telling all of you. These hearings continue to go on. They started more than two weeks ago. And at some point, I think they're going to have Fauci in there as well. They've got enough evidence now that we're going to be able to see how they colluded in order to stop you from getting information. Again, stuck that in there for my own benefit. 
and I am joyful on this Valentine's Day to see the head of NIH cc'd on this stuff to stop people from getting information that they could that they deserve to have if they're getting on the social platform and the government stopped them. Well, that was. And I, I say that. this to people. This is my this is my little thing at all these get-togethers I have. It's amazing the number of people. Eh, eh, it doesn't bother me. One to ten, where does it bother you? I mean, let's remember, it's Valentine's Day, and if you'd like to give me a Valentine, you could you could be like nine, nine and a half, somewhere in there. Uh, ten. Ten, my Valentine. Ten. I was going to say, <laughs> Kat Kamak from Florida is the one grilling him. You might want to yeah. send her a pretty little paper Valentine for her, for her good job and having her homework already and addressing it. The staff did a great job. Thank you, Andrew. Shaboom that as well. Shaboom to you, Sherry. Shaboom, shaboom. Shaboom to you. Back at you. Shaboom to you too, Jacob. Oh, thank you. I went to an all-boys school, and it was an awkward day on Valentine's Day, and the nuns insisted we give each other Valentines. It was always weird. Those little the little ones you you pull out from perforated things, like a little a dog, like a Doberman, like a little uh, Dalmatian or something. And so you didn't get to do the thing where you could order a rose or a carnation. It was really a carnation, um, and they knock on the door in your social studies class. And somebody would deliver like carnations to certain girls from certain guys. Uh, y- yes, we had that. And then you, then when someone would knock on the door of the stall you were in, and they'd beat the hell out of you. No, okay, <laughs> Sherry's an all boys school. Okay. I'm just trying to show you what you missed out on. That's all. Shaboom to you, Sherry, again. All right, shaboom to you. Yeah, I can't tell it's good or bad. <laughs> I don't think. Shaboom. Shaboom. All right. Andrew ignored my... I sent you some other bumper music for this Valentine's Day. Andrew, you they're going to work those into the rotation, as they say? Uh, Yeah, I'll, I'll, I haven't seen those messages. No, no, no. no, no shaboom yourself. And, Andrew, okay. shaboom yourself. And, I'll myself and, into the book. Yeah, Andrew, if there are any profanities, any of, any, any of John's suggestions, just replace them with shabooms. Shaboom, shaboom. Okay. There's nothing that you'll like them. All right. So the, uh, the city's got some problems. Um, the fact that, um, well, San Francisco, I saw the San Francisco, um, has decided, you know what? Look, it's not coming back. They're gone. They're gone. The shaboom, shaboom. They're out. They're not going to come back. Um, the city needs to sort of reinvent itself in order to survive. So, um, the uh, mayor was talking about uh, Mayor London Breed said, well, here's here's our plan. We must accept another tough fact. San Francisco downtown, as we know it, is not coming back. And you know what? That's OK. Empty office buildings have fueled dire predictions about economic doom and screaming headlines about the death of downtown. We have our challenges, but that doesn't mean it's the end of downtown. Like the Niantic, it's a call to action, to reimagine what our future holds, what we can be, to think about what kind of city we are and what kind of city we can be. I guess it sounds like the mayor is speaking from a secure bunker somewhere to avoid the crime. (laughs) 
<laughs> that is throughout the entire city of San Francisco. So how are they going to reimagine it? Well, they did a study, John, called The Death of Downtown. And what they did was mm-hmm. they ranked the recovery and how certain cities have recovered. Um, yeah. Last on the list is San Francisco. They've only recovered at about 31%. Second to last is Portland, 37%. And mm-hmm. fifth to last is Seattle. And that's only uh-huh. recovered about 44%. So what they're finding is when you have a place like Vegas, and that's recovered at about 79%, what you find is a lot of social activities, food, mm-hmm. arts, things like that, instead of just the central area being all about work and offices and workers going to lunch, you have to make it more attractive. You have to now, as she said, is an overused word, reimagine the downtown Mm -hmm. area as a place for lots of people to go to do lots of other things other than just work. And that in is what they're saying might be the key to recovery in in a lot of these cities. Now, what are you going to do with all that excessive Empty office space. Eh, there's a few things you could do. There's some suggestions uh-huh. about maybe the city could buy it up and then rent it out to certain places. Um, that remains a, a, a problem. But it seems like that what they're trying to say is you need to offer more activities, more things to do in downtown other than work. Yeah, right. So they think, okay, what we'll do is we'll be like we'll be like Las Vegas that people will come here to participate, not in the business, but they'll come in and spend tourist dollars in San Francisco. Um, the difference being 32 million people go to Las Vegas every single year, and they go for a specific reason. They go to gamble, to party. That's why they're going to Vegas, um, because they've got the casinos. San Francisco doesn't have that structure. Uh, the most telling piece from the Wall Street Journal regarding this sort of transition, this reimagining, 70% of the revenue that the San Francisco needs in order to run the San Francisco budget comes from businesses, sales tax. So you look at the same thing, because the reason we're talking about this, we're very similar to San Francisco. You said we're fifth on the list. So Seattle is going to have to deal with the same sort of thing. I think Danny Westing wrote a piece about it. You know, what are we supposed to do? Empty office buildings, people are not coming downtown for a number of reasons. One, they're not working downtown anymore. Plus, you're not going to be people to come downtown to have their car broken into or for themselves to be hit over the head with a pipe. So as long as you have disorder in the streets, you don't have the police to enforce, you let criminals back out again, who wants to go downtown to Seattle, get in the car, drive down to Seattle in order to spend money to try to replace the revenue that's been lost by the businesses that are pulling out? So I saw in 2022, 160 businesses left. One of the primary reasons they did leave was because of crime. Um, same thing, GeekWire has the piece about Amazon, Amazon leaving as well because of crime. So you have a crime, uh, uh, you have criminals on the streets. You're not going to have people spending money on the streets. Las Vegas is interesting. You've been there. There's cops everywhere because they know they don't want the tourists to get ripped off because if the tourist gets ripped off that's their main bread and butter it's like when you go to mexico mexico you go into those uh, all-inclusive places those criminals are outside on the other side they don't want the tourists being killed because that hurts the entire economy of mexico for this for london breeze the mayor of san francisco saying oh we're going to become like this hub of of arts and entertainment and people are going to come to see come into san francisco for those reasons good luck really you'll never get enough people to do that well san francisco used to be um a, a 
fantastic place to go to not just work, but to visit. It was a wonderful place to visit. Uh, restaurants and lots of things to do and culture and all of that. Crime has as much to do with this, like you said, as anything uh, related to the pandemic. People don't want to go there anymore. There's too much bad press about it. And if you compare things to Vegas, well, Vegas has established itself as a as an entertainment and kind of debauchery hub for, yeah. for decades. This is going to take a very, very long time to rebuild in a in a different way for all yeah. of these cities. That's just the way it's going to be. That's their new that's their new motto for tourism and marketing: the debauchery city. We've been doing it for years. <laughs> Trust us. We, we know but, it the best. <laughs> we do, but if, if it goes on in Las Vegas, stays in Las Vegas yeah. unless you can get a prescription for that. Right. That don't that don't rash. do debauchery at a, at a you know at an amateur city. Do it with us. We know what yeah, we're doing. Yeah, we know what we're doing. Right. <clears throat> They'll be at your room in fifteen minutes. Those are the cards those guys hand out. Uh-huh. Is that what you read? <laughs> well, those guys that hand out the cards, those little uh-huh. like guys from South America, okay. they're, they're not yeah, allowed yeah, to speak. Yeah. It's really fascinating. They're not allowed to talk. They can't solicit you, but they can slap the cards against their hands, those little like tra- plating car, plating cards uh-huh. with the girls on there that'll be at your room in 15 minutes. Yeah. I used to collect, when I was there with friends, we used to collect all the cards we could. Then we had them like baseball cards, and we would trade them, swap them, you know. Did you time how quick they got there? <laughs> I was always like, How they, really? Fifteen minutes? Who's coming to your Who's coming to your your gross hotel in fifteen minutes? I was never part of that debauchery, Sherry. Okay, just check. <clears throat> it's Valentine's Day after all. Should boop yourself, okay? <laughs> I'm doing it right now. <laughs> all right, fine. Muskrat, muskrat, candlelight. There you go, sure. In the town and doing it right in the evening. Yep. It's pretty pleasing. Two muskrats sitting next to you at a fine dining establishment. Muskrat Susie, <laughs> muskrat Sam. <laughs> Maybe they go to that Italian place that doesn't like kids. <laughs> Pasta. Muskrat's like pasta. Sam is so skinny. Sam is so skinny. <laughs> and they whirl and they, they twirl and they tango. Imagine that. You're out taking your wife out to dinner and look over next to you and there's some skinny muskrat. <laughs> Shimmy and tangoing. <laughs> twirling and twirling. Shabooming. <laughs> Shabooming. <laughs> It's a big knife like for the muskrat. Love. And then you just, you would judge your, like, you look over at your wife or your w- husband, and you're like, God, those muskrats really love each other compared to us. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's going to propose to her. <laughs> she says yes. Muskrat oh, good. They are, by the way, it's Catholics, pigeons, and muskrats a date, or, uh, are the only monogamous species on the earth. Is that right? Sure that oh. <laughs> the, um, speaking of monogamy, there's an actor who I've never heard of before and probably will never see his work, but apparently he's got a problem. Uh, he's in this show called, huh? What is the name of the show? You. You. What's the name of it? You. You what? Why are you? You. 
Yeah, what about me? <laughs> okay, who's on first? You. Okay. Uh, he has a lot of love scenes in these in this show, and he has decided that it's not good for his marriage. Even though he's not, you know, romantically involved with the actress that he's involved with on scene, on, you know, screen, it, it, it's, it's just not healthy for him. How does he describe the, the discomfort? Sorry. He says, uh, fidelity in every relationship, including my marriage, is important to me. It's got to the point where I don't want to do that. So he asked the director. He said, uh, listen, I, I don't want to do that anymore. Can we, uh, he said he wanted to go from 100 to zero in the next season. And he said she was really glad that I was that honest. She was sort of almost, I want to say, empowered. She had a really positive response. They came back with a phenomenal reduction. I don't think they eliminated all the scenes, but they did reduce some of them. He says that his wife is a truly radiant soul. You encourage others to be honest and brave and gentle and expansive. Your great capacity for empathy is obvious, something anyone can get warm by like a glowing stove. Hmm. Wait, who's the glowing stove? His wife. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I I would assume that just, you know, doing those scenes, then going back home and your wife, and he just wants to eliminate what the director said. Do they go along with the idea? Yes, the director was very supportive. It's a female director, and she's uh-huh. like, that's fine. I get it. And she, he just he just said, this is too important to me. I don't, I don't want to do it. I'm always a little suspicious when these actors come out and say that and make it public because doesn't he look like, the great guy now. I mean, every woman in the, in America is like, wow, he would really give up being able to make out with some other woman and get paid for it because of his <laughs> wife. I'm not buying that for a second. So why not? Well, maybe. You're so jaded. But, How no, long have you just, known me? Well, I think my jade is is rubbing off on you. Maybe. Do you do you believe it? And now he's, of course, trading on it for publicity and everything else. Maybe they just decided we don't really want to have that many sex scenes anymore with you. And he used it as a way to say, "Okay, well, you know what? That's good because I like fidelity. So we're all on the same page now. I I would imagine, you know, it probably sort of bothers you a little bit. You're there. You're shooting a bunch of sex scenes and then. You know, you has a, you have a reaction, but then you go home and you're like, you know, you're comparing some weight, some some actress to you to your wife, who's apparently like a wood burning stove or something. So it's different. I don't know. You know, what bothers is the wife. So absolutely, in the picture, you don't see her the gun to his head saying all this. I mean, she's probably tired of it too, and maybe he's saying, "All right, we'll compromise. I will." Reduce the sex scenes, but I get to take credit for it. There you go. That that works. Yes, muskrats do mate for life. By the way, I just looked it up, and then I now I'm watching video of muskrat, male and female pairing off. How's that tango? They're at a French restaurant somewhere in New York. It looks like yeah.